You are now listening to the Major Jobs Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Major Jobs Podcast. Today I got to talk to someone in the car insurance industry. This one was really interesting. He reached out to me and he told me that he actually is a car insurance investigator. I never really thought about this before, but there are actually people that need to be investigated on when they're doing car insurance to see how much they need to get paid back in a car accident and things like that. And sometimes people lie about it, but also sometimes people need their just compensation. And this is the guy that makes sure that they get their just compensation or he finds out if they're lying or not when they're talking about their injuries. So it was really interesting getting to talk to him and I hope you enjoy it. I learned a lot and I hope you do too. All right, here's the interview. When I first read the job title, I was like, this is a really interesting job and it looks really interesting and I'm interested to hear more about it. So the first question I'm going to ask is, what is the job title? I am a uh, casualty claims adjuster. So can you kind of elaborate more? So what's like the job description? Like, what do you do? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that title doesn't really tell you a lot <laughs> about, about what I'm doing. Um, so the, the job description in a very general sense is that I investigate car accidents that involve uh, injury or property damage to determine who is liable for the injuries or damages. And if it is our policyholder, then I negotiate uh, and reach a fair settlement for the, the people that are affected. So did you know that you wanted to do this from an early age? Oh god no. I don't I don't think anybody um I don't think anybody goes in saying I want to be a claims adjuster when I grow up. Uh, <laughs> it's very very much something that I fell into. So how did you find out about the job? So I was um I had uh gone through I was 24 years old. Um I had been working as a a store manager for GameStop and I um I lost my job and my son was born a week later. And uh, so we're in a real bad position. And I find out that there's this from some old customers of mine at GameStop, that this insurance company in the area has this huge office that employs several hundred people. And they're saying, hey, you should come over and and try and work there. Um, So I applied and applied and applied and eventually got a response back on a position as a uh, actually an agent selling insurance policies. And uh, after a few years of doing that, I found out that I was actually really interested in insurance as a subject and started applying for positions as an underwriter and as a claims adjuster. And um, fortunately, um, I was offered the position as a as a claims adjuster. And I actually was able to – I got lucky and was able to skip a level. And so I handle uh, bodily injury claims uh, specifically. So you kind of just fell into your lap, like didn't really – I know that you wanted to do it, but no. just like going through this path, it kind of just came to you. Yeah, a- absolutely. I mean, I was it was sort of necessity that I got into insurance at all to begin with. Um, and then once I found out I sort of liked the industry, it became about finding other opportunities just to sort of grow my career. So what would you say you do on a daily basis? Like, what is the process like? Um, so... The I guess do you mean uh, like a a day in the life sort of thing like yeah okay yeah okay. exactly so my um the way that my I set my day up is I always 
uh, come in and check my, my voicemails and my emails first thing because every day I'm going to get at least one or two new brand new accidents that are reported to my employer and uh, we have to investigate them. And so before I even look at those new ones, I want to find out, did the things that I do yesterday, did something happen with those? Has someone written me an email with information that I asked for or complaining about something or left me a voicemail? Um, so we, we you know, call those, like, is your desk on fire? Is there a fire that you need to put out? So I check that stuff first. Um, then I will typically uh, go into my, my new claims that I might have gotten at that point and see how many cars are involved, how many people are involved, what the injuries are, that sort of thing. And um, after some preliminary stuff where I make sure that you know this policy is in force, our policyholder was actually involved, and just some sort of things to sort of inform what next steps I'll take, um, I'll start calling people. And um, the first thing you do when you're investigating any sort of accident is you take statements from people um, because you want to know who's responsible. And sometimes it's pretty clear, you know, if someone rear-ends another car while they're stopped at a stoplight or stop sign, there's not really much argument over who's at fault. But when people start arguing over, say, who had a green light as they go into an intersection, then it can get a bit more heated, and um, the the smallest details can really make a big difference. Um, and so after we, we take those statements from people, we'll typically get a copy of the police report, and I would say probably 85 or 90% of the time, I'm able to know at that point who's responsible or who we're going to say is responsible. And uh, from there, you know, we, we may try to get a witness's statement or, or canvas the area for video footage at like a local business. Um, and then let's assume that it's a case where uh, my employer is going to accept responsibility for the accident, I'm the one that makes that decision. I'm the one that, that tells my employer, hey, this is a case where our our insured is responsible. We need to take responsibility and handle any damages. Um, and so the uh, let's assume that I've you know investigated this accident for the day, taken my statements, and we've accepted responsibility. Um, since I'm specifically a bodily injury adjuster, I will delegate things like property damage, for example, damage to a vehicle or to a house, um, to some other adjusters. And I will, I will have them go out and look at the vehicles or write estimates or set them up with a shop who can do the same thing, while I will start talking with them about their injuries and the treatment that they've received um, as a result of their injuries. So do you usually go out into the field where the crashes happen, or are you usually like in you stay at your desk at my desk definitely and that that's the way that the injury the the industry is going so it it used to be that adjusters worked in the field but the industry started going towards only on the most serious injuries would you send people in the in the field out and now my employer um, does not have any adjusters that handle uh, investigations who work in the field everybody works from their desk remotely the only time we send an adjuster out in person is if we need to look at a car mm -hmm. so what would you say is something that it's like unique about your job that you wouldn't find in others Hmm. Um, the, I think the, there's a very fine line between giving good customer service and also, uh, making sure that you're not being taken advantage of with what I do. Mm -hmm. And so I, I come from a, a, 
a background where customer service is incredibly important to me. That is the be-all, end-all, first priority to make sure that you are doing the right thing and taking care of somebody. But there are times where when you go into what I do with that attitude, people will pick up on that and they will try to take advantage of you. Because ultimately, what my job boils down to once we've accepted responsibility for an accident is how much money can I pay you to make you feel that that's fair compensation for what happened to you? And so since that's not an objective number, there's no chart, there's no, uh, you know, black and white answer to that question. You know, one person's broken pinky, you know, they might say "Eh, 800 bucks will do it. Whereas another person might think that's worth $25,000. And so when you're nice to people and when you're bending over backwards for them, that can really come to um, come back to bite you uh, when you're trying to negotiate with someone and take a hard stance. This is what your injury is worth. If that, Mm-hmm. So what would you say are like some traits that some people would need to have to be in the profession? You need to be, uh, you need to have great attention to, to detail um, because there are, and you need to be able to switch hats, um, so to speak, very, very quickly and fluidly because you you need to be someone who is um, simultaneously approachable and also speaks with authority. You need to be someone who can find solutions to problems instead of going and asking for help every time you run into a roadblock. Um, You need to be able to, um, you know, manage numbers. So when you're given a, you know, 200 page list of medical bills and expenses, you need to be able to go through those and figure out, hey, this this bill doesn't fit with the rest. This is for something that's not related to this accident, or this number doesn't add up. Why, why is it coming out to this when it should be this? And so there's just so many different skill sets that you, uh, that you have to have. Um, and uh, so if, if you're a person who um, is kind of a, a jack-of-all-trades and sort of likes going in and being a problem solver, I think that's probably one of the most important qualities. And what would you say is some advice for some people that – want to get into that job or are like about to start the job and just like want some like advice before they begin Mm -hmm. so um if i were speaking to a teenager that had just freshly graduated high school um the important focus is going to be probably on a four-year degree and then after that focusing on designations so there are some different industries like uh, programming that are that also have designations, um, or like accountants have like a CPA designation, for example. And in insurance, you have a, a list of I don't know, probably about seven or eight different designations that are kind of mini degrees, I guess is how I would describe it to a high schooler. Um, and they're they're sort of things like a. Um, there's a the most prestigious one in insurance is called a CPCU. It's a Chartered uh, Property and Casualty Underwriter, and um, that's a, a uh, it is nine exams that you take. They're meant to be taken over about a two year period, but you can do them as quick as you'd like. And um, going figuring out which designations will apply to the job that you want to do, and tackling those either while you're in college or immediately after um, would definitely set you up to to just skyrocket through the insurance industry. So did you take those exams as well? No. So one thing that was kind of unique to, to my experience is that I was always a, a very poor student. I, I did not do well in, in high school at all. Um, I did not do well in college at all. Um, and But I found myself 
moving very quickly through the ranks of the the jobs that I took um, in retail, and um, and so when I fell into insurance, I, I sort of put that same work ethic in. And whereas most most of my peers do have four year degrees and and you know at least a couple designations, um, I do not have a four year degree. And so that's that's one thing that I really wanted to to make sure that your listeners are aware of is that this is an an industry that if you're a competent person um and you can demonstrate that you don't need to necessarily follow a traditional education path but I do want to also if you're asking what is optimal to make sure that you go in with the the best possible trajectory that four year degree and focusing on those designations is definitely the best case so I guess it's kind of like shifting towards your job now. So what would you say are some of the people that you work closely with? So the the people that I work the most closely with are going to be other adjusters. And different insurance companies will set this up in different ways. Um, I am obviously partial to how my employer does it. But uh, we we really segment and specialize uh, adjusters based on the what we call exposure. So bodily injury versus property damage um, versus another type of coverage called medical payments would be three completely different adjusters handling those. Now, as the casualty adjuster, um, and this is going to be pretty standard through the industry, I am the one that is um, quarterbacking the claim, so to speak, um, and sort of delegating things out to other adjusters. And I'm going to have the final say on what happens in the claim most of the time. But there are still situations where I uh, I go to an adjuster and I say, I need this vehicle to be looked at within the next two days because where the damage is at is going to inform the kind of liability decision I make. And I've got a single mom with five kids who can't get to work, can't take her kids to school, and I want this done right now. And depending on the adjuster that you're working with, they might say, hey, I've got my job to do too. I'm super busy. I'm three days behind. Um, I can't get out there for four days. And so that is a a lot of um, where me working with other adjusters comes in is me saying, hey, um, this is this specific situation. This is how I think it should be handled. And us trying to find a way to compromise so we can both get our jobs done. Um, Sometimes I work with agents as well. So, you know, sometimes you get policyholders who insurance is one of those industries that unless you work in it, you really don't understand it it really at all. Um, And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this and and why I've done some some AMAs and stuff on Reddit is because I think it's something important for us to know about. Um, And so a lot of people will go to their agents and and talk about the claim and sort of have the agent be a middleman between me and and our policyholder. And so sometimes it's about managing the agent's expectations and their understanding of how claims works too. And unfortunately, they don't always have the best understanding of of claims, even if they might be the best agent in the world. It's a very different skill set. So adjusters and agents would be the two primary other jobs that I work with. So this is now shifting towards maybe like some stories that you can share. So what are some of your favorite stories or experiences that you can share that are unique to your profession? Yeah. So um, the as an adjuster, you know, I think people are familiar with, with other professions, like maybe in, like as nurses and, and, uh, and doctors or police officers, you kind of get this sense of, of um, 
what they call gallows humor, right? You're, you get this sort of dark sense of humor that maybe the general public wouldn't appreciate, especially working with, working with, um, you know, injuries. And so I, I want to be careful to make sure I'm not, <laughs> I'm not alienating people. Uh-huh. Um, but the, uh, but one thing that adjusters love is, um, when, when we, catch someone dead to rights lying about something, right? Mm. Because because you can imagine when you are working with something as subjective as how much money is my, you know, hurt shoulder worth, you get a lot of people that want to take advantage of you. Uh, <laughs> and so the uh when when you can catch someone lying about something, it's wonderful. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's the bottom line because you know there's there's so many situations where you you I would say Probably on sixty or seventy percent of the claims that I work on, um, I feel that there is some there's something that we got taken advantage of on that we just simply couldn't prove. Right? You know, we know that this impact happened at two miles an hour in a McDonald's drive-through. There is no damage to the vehicle, but because of where it happened, it's such a litigious area with powerful injury attorneys. We have to pay twenty thousand dollars to this person, and that's just not a good feeling, right? Um, so to go back to your question, sorry, there's a bit of a, an aside to give some context. Um, I had a woman one time that was furious that we had broken her brand new cell phone. When we, when we hit her car, um, we, we broke her cell phone, she said, and it shattered the screen. And so, um, something about her kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And so a lot of times what I will do is I will, uh, I'll vet people on social media to see if talking about the accident and uh, because there were some other things that weren't really consistent with the accident, like about her injuries that didn't make much sense. Um, this was not a high speed impact. She was telling me that she had a concussion. Um, she was telling me that she made, oh gosh, like hundreds of thousands of dollars a year working at this pizza place. Um, I mean, it was just stuff that was like, what is this woman? Right. And so I, I really just wanted to see who, who she was and what she was talking about and just complete, I hadn't even thought about the cell phone thing. Right. I just wanted to, to get a better idea of who she was. And sure enough, the first post on her, uh, on her Facebook that she had, you know, shared publicly was that it oh. was that she dropped her cell phone, uh, <laughs> to the hospital after the accident and cracked the screen. And so <laughs> Cell phone had obviously not been broken in that accident, so I took a I took a screenshot on my computer <laughs> of her social media post. And the next time we were talking, um, it was it was really funny because I told her I said, "Look, I just want to." It was it's a it's an uncomfortable thing to tell somebody, even <laughs> yeah. even when you're being lied to, to go up to a stranger and say, "Look, I know you're lying to me." Uh-huh. And so I remember telling her, "Hey, I just want to let you know, I, I I do check social media." She goes, "That's fine. I've got nothing to hide." I said, "Well, <laughs> actually, you know, you you got this post here." And and um, she she tried to backpedal, and she's like, "Well, no, it was broken in the accident, and then I also broke it when I went to the hospital as well." And um, that was just a fun case where very very rarely do you catch people sort of dead to rights like that. Um, the, uh, the you know there are some others that that people tend to to disagree with, but this was not my claim, but uh, something much more high profile. Where um, and I'll, I'll kind of alter some details here so as not reveal anything but bottom line some someone was claiming a very serious injury this was a claim that was worth seven figures right so millions of dollars and the um this woman was alleging that she could not um walk without the aid of a cane and um 
and needed some some very serious surgeries and uh we did not feel that was consistent with the severity of the impact and so we paid somebody to surveil her um and so this person would follow her around a couple days a week and take video while she went to the grocery store went to her doctor's appointments went to church and um she was uh the entire time walking without a cane and we had her carrying uh, I don't know, seven or eight bags of groceries. You know how kind of when you don't want to make two trips and you just sort of thread your arm and you got eight ba- or four bags on each arm. And um, she actually opens the uh, she opened the gate of her SUV with her foot. She lifts her foot up, opens the gate of the SUV with her foot, and then puts the groceries in. And notably, her her uh, a relative was with her with a cane. And uh, later on, she goes to her doctor's office. And when she's at her doctor's office, she's walking with a pronounced limp, and she happens to have her relative's cane with her. Um, and so that that was another one that they were not aware we had this. She had an attorney, and uh, we were going to show up in court after they made and, and show them this video and say, so tell us how injured you are again. Tell us why you need the surgery. Um, because un- unfortunately, one thing that you learn, you know, in, in my job is that uh, a lot of injuries are subjective. And so if you or I were to, if you or I were to go to a, um, were to go to a hospital and say that we were involved in a car accident and that our back hurts, a lot of times you would be able to, uh, they, they could do an x-ray or look at you and say, sure, it's reasonable that your, your you know, tissue is a bit inflamed here. You were probably in a car accident because they don't want to be liable if they say there's nothing wrong with you and, and something is. But the fact is just sitting at a desk, just living an adult life, working out, playing sports, whatever, you're going to probably have some inflammation there, you know, however minor. Um, and, and so it, it can, especially someone like me who, it is important to me that I get it right. I never want to tell someone that their pain is not real or that their injury is not real, or and I never want to uh, pay someone less than what their claim is worth. And so when things are so subjective most of the time, uh, you just want to make sure that you collect every bit of evidence you can to really have that smoking gun, whatever, uh, before you tell someone, hey, we don't think this is really how things are. Um, last question, I guess, to you would be, what does the future look like? Are there any other levels of the insurance industry, I guess, that you want to climb up? Or what do you want to do that's new or just continue doing? So in in my industry, or from, from my position, there are a, a couple places to go. Um, outside of just handling bodily injury claims, there is a department that handles claims that are in litigation. And so these are claims that are no longer being negotiated with a claimant or with their attorney, but are, uh, are actually a, a going into a lawsuit has been filed. And that job is all about getting every last bit of extremely specific information, every last detail, and reviewing the prior adjuster's investigations, making your own decision about the value, hiring an attorney to represent our, our policyholder, going to mediations where the attorneys are, are you know arguing with each other in front of a mediator, and then ultimately following the case as it goes to trial. Um, 
and that is that would be the next level for uh, for me. Um, outside of that, it, you know, insurance is so open. I've got I I did not like being an agent, um, but I worked out of a call center as opposed to owning my own agency, and so I've had colleagues that have gone to be agents and love it, and they make good money, and and that's just their their bag. Um, and otherwise, conversely, there's uh, the underwriting path is kind of the uh, the third path I see. Underwriters in the insurance industry, specifically with what I do, they're the ones that sort of determine is this a good policy for us to write? You know, is this house a a big risk for us because the roof, the shingles are off the roof, and it looks like there's fire damage here, and they've got five pit bulls, or uh, you know they. They help with you know pricing in some ways as far as what should be charged for a policy and you know if it's okay to write in a certain area um, and so those are those are both options for me or anyone that's really you you could start in that's one of the great things about this industry you could start in any of those three right um, especially if you have a four year degree you could go right into underwriting and frankly that is going to set you up for the best salary in the long term. All right. Thank you so much for doing this. I definitely didn't really think about this job before, but then now that you know, you think about it, this job is used by insurance companies, and you don't really think about those car accidents until you actually get into one. Exactly. And then that's like, yeah, when you think about it. So I just want to say thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. I learned a lot about just like what it's like investigating these car insurance and like what these people claim and then how to like debunk their claims if they're lying but also to know that people do have injuries as well and that they should be paid just compensation absolutely yeah so thank you so much for doing this absolutely i appreciate the opportunity to talk with you matt and i hope everybody got something out of it all right Thanks for listening to the Major Jobs Podcast. If you liked it, please be sure to follow us on Instagram at Major Jobs Podcast. If you have an interesting career and want to be featured on the show, send us an email at majorjobspodcast at gmail.com with your job title and college major if applicable. Again, thanks for listening. And remember, life happens wherever you are, whether you make it or not.